to the Golf Barons Podcast, Tenuous Links, a golf pun we're not only incredibly proud of, but one we're also sure to emulate. Let us careen through bloviated opinions on all things golf, some outrageous innovation ideas to speed up the game, a few laughs, and an historical retelling of an iconic golf moment. Time to add some swagger to your swing. Hello, Barons. Welcome to today's Tenuous Links Golf Podcast. This is our pre-Masters special, and as usual, we've got Philbert here, as well as our Augusta National Specialist in Kipper. Howdy, lads. G'day, boys. Evening, shooter. How are we? <laughs> going well, going well. How good is this week? How good is Masters week? It's, it's, uh, Sorry, that started with a love. Sorry, well, it is, but it's, it's it's come from nowhere because you know you you didn't you know, necessarily know when it was. That's me. <laughs> and and I just yeah, it's exciting because uh, down here in Melbourne, the world's changed. It's a better week than it was the week before, and you just feel like Augusta's just the the, the little like, top of the ice cream. Perfect. It's, I've got a, I've got mixed. I'm excited and I'm also I feel confused as well. Like it's just it's not quite the same. Not being in April does get yeah. It's it's a little bit little bit different for me. But anyway, let's get straight into uh, the podcast. Philly, I'm going to kick it over to you to uh, bring us all down. What have you got? <laughs> he said, and it's his segment. Thank you, thank you, Shooter. This will come as no surprise at 21 that this whole podcast is going to be dedicated to the Masters. And in keeping with that. Mm. I have no idea what the front nine looks like at Augusta other than the ninth hole. I know two roughly because of when Louis holed his second shot. I know nine. I, I know nine far too well because of the flashbacks of Norman's <laughs> second shot into nine that spun off the front when Feldo pulled his pants down. But I don't have a clue what the tee shot was on nine. I don't know what eight looks like. I don't know seven. Apparently there's a great par three, I think. You, you know, I'm, I'm with you, Phil. Is six it, or something. I mean, do they not show it? I'm, now I'm trying to think about it. Do they not show the front nine? They, 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 no, they much. do now, but they never used to. I think it it became a lot. Oh, don't test me on the history here with it. But I think it became a part of the footage around about 2005, 2010. So it's been going for probably 10 years where they show some of the footage but they still don't cover it anywhere near as much as they do the, the old fame back nine. Well, it seems it's only when someone does something spectacular, have an albatross yes. or they do something dramatic that all of a sudden you see this hole. But the camera towers, it's almost the coverage picks up halfway through nine. So I've actually got no sense. I literally have no sense. I couldn't paint a picture or even scribble a drawing or do anything well, you, like you, that, Damien. You can't paint anyway, Phil. I've seen your drawing. Stick, <laughs> stick, stick figures, figures don't work on a golf course. And also, we so, need to put a quick disclaimer here. Philip, you mentioned Norman and Feldo. That will be the last mention of that during this podcast. <laughs> or, it actually won't. I'd like to say the last ever. <laughs> Please no, no, no. It, it, it won't. It's coming, up, oh, it's coming up later. God. Because can just, I ta- I'll take you through shot by shot stings. the back nine if you'd like. <laughs> it hurts. It still hurts, Phil. Anyway, that's my that's my hate. But it's also a mission is to to learn the front mm. nine in this year's coverage. My, my hate this year is um, well, this week, but for this year is that there's not going to be a par three contest. I'm shattered. Shattered to hear that they're not going to have the path. Obviously, they can't have it without having the crowds, which is another, you know, oh, sorry, no patrons at the Masters. No patrons. That's another thing I'm not going, you know, that I'm not going to lie. This is what, this is what. No path three. It's. Sorry, so, mate. So I was going to say, this is why we need you, uh, Shooter, because I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know it's been pulled. Um, yeah, put, because they don't, they obviously don't have the crowd in, yeah. the, the patrons in. So it's, but for me, the par three contest is actually one of the highlights of the major itself. I mean, nay, highlights of the year, damn it. I love that par three contest, seeing, especially seeing some of the older guys get around, they get around with their kids and their grandkids. Yeah. I absolutely love it. It's such, it, it's the best. I personally, I think it's the best start to any major annually, and I look forward to it every time. Yeah, well, it's a, it, like anything; it's 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 about history, isn't it? And and as, as soon as you create anything historic, it, you just start to look forward to it. So mm-hmm. that's part of the week. I, as I said, I didn't know that. So um, what else have they changed? <laughs> well, is it a nine-hole? Um, well, actually, do it. there's actually a bit. So Kipper, there's a bit because the the lack of daylight. Hours they're having to bring mm. tea times forward. I think I, I thought I heard there was a two tea start. Where well, my research is lacking, they're changing a lot of things, and some of them will even be mentioned by people who are well informed. <laughs> That's not us. We're, and if any, we're about the if tales. anyone calls up, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyway, so basically, not having any pathway contest up yours, COVID. I'm not impressed at all. That's got me. A little bit upset. Well, I'm going to flow on with my hate, Philip. I'm, I'm backing you on the uh, the lack of coverage. That is my hate. Is the not not the lack. Not I wouldn't say hate, but Augusta leaves you wanting, and that's 
that is definitely part of what they do. So the fact that they have never really covered the front nine up until recent years, there's a real point to that. They, uh, and this is actually coming from their mouth because I remember talking to Hootie and a few of the gang. Uh, oh, here oh, we go. Here we so go. This is going to be a, ding, and the ding, this, ding. this will be a name drop a record tonight. So get ready with it. You might need <laughs> double dings or whatever you want to do. But yeah, first time there with oh, Blueberry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first time there with Bads and Mickelson. I. Uh, Seriously, this is going to go nuts tonight, boys. I'm sorry. That's the first time, Phil. The first, first time. time with first them. time there. Yeah, of course, Hootie and the crew come out and, and greet us. And that's actually why we, that was part of a conversation we had with them is they want, wanted at the time that to be something that only the people that could ever get to Augusta to go and v- see it and view it and right. watch the, um, the event or play or be a member could ever be a part of. And so that was that was their mantra. Don't don't show it. But that changed a little bit. But my my hate there is that you don't get to see so much more of it. That's the ultimate in exclusivity, isn't it? I mean, we talk mm. about golf, but we for some reason, and I was about to get on a rant, and I'm going to stop myself. <laughs> that golf goes on an anti. Oh, we don't like being exclusive. It's the very thing it. that yeah, makes me desperate to yeah. get there because there's secrets there. That the only people who know are you who are going to tell us tonight. And it's just like, it's also like, you know, when you get these famous cars like your McLarens and your, your F1s and these, these type of things where they go, oh, this is a one-off. Or, and, and so that's why that person who can afford that wants that car because it is a one-off and not every um, person can get it. So exclusivity is something that we all, I think, all have a little bit of and they've just got lots of it <laughs> to hide. <laughs> that's why I sticky taped the mirror on my Eastern European car back on because I wanted to be the only one. <laughs> With a right-hand driver's side mirror being held on with sticky tape. I mean, I'm all about the exclusivity too. <laughs> I love it. Beautiful. Yep. So anyway, that's me. That's me. Hate is that you don't get to see more of it. But for every hate, there must be a love. There is. And you want me to kick this? Well, actually, before we go into loves, I just want to uh, preface this by how we could fix this. All right. We could fix the the hate of mine and yours, Philip. Whether you don't get to see much, if every caddy, right, just had their cell phone. And they had a, either a little clip or whatever you want to do that hooks onto your bag or hooks onto your back or hooks onto your front, right, GoPro style. You could stream, Facebook live stream, every single group, every single conversation the entire day. And you could just click on and watch your favorite player. It'd be just awesome. Like, and, and it's available to do now. That, my friend, is genius. I love it. Love it. <laughs> well, it's easy. And just would be fun, wouldn't it? Just oh, hang on. We'll just click on Billy Bob's caddy. See would, what he's doing. Would you get well while you're there while you're there, Deez, would there which conversation which caddy caddy combo would you um <laughs> caddy player combo conversation would you like to be tapping into? Oh, if Alan, Who, if who's I, gonna give us the most entertainment? If Allenby was in the field, I'd just stay on that group. <laughs> I wouldn't see I, I, I wouldn't even care if the camera was off. It's just as long as you'd the mic hot was on. The, you'd be hot on the swear button though, wouldn't you? <laughs> in that group. No, no, no I'm, dropper. Sir, I, this is a this is a gift. This is a free kick for you name dropper. Uh, here, here we go. Here we go. Of your time at Augusta caddying, which mm-hmm. player, if you could have the choice, which player or players caddy do you tune into on Facebook Live? For well, yesteryear or now? Because now I don't know everyone. Well, just you can pay attention to the question, or just yeah. answer whatever you wanted. No, no. Yeah, yeah. What did, what was the question? Well, I said during your time. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, Augusta. Well, but but if you want, it, because I want this, uh, you know what they spoke about yeah. back then, uh, and uh, we uh, don't know what they spoke about. So who did you want to listen? Who would you? I, I found um, I found Fluff Cowan really, really calm, right? He doesn't say heaps, but when he does speak, it's it, he speaks like <laughs> really, really truthful and, and you better listen to it stuff, right? Whereas heaps of caddies are, you know, not, not necessarily yes men, but they just – yabber on for the sake of yabbering on because uh, they kind of know that they're on show in front of a gallery. The cameras mightn't be on them, but they, 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 he doesn't say anything unless there's something to be said. So I would love to – and he says stuff so quietly that even when you're in his group, you can't actually hear it anyway. So I'd love <laughs> to know all the things that Fluff always said because I found him extremely knowledgeable and, and calm. Steve Williams is one that I, I think I think he's the best candidate that's ever lived. His record is, is first class, but he, he also was – he had the guts to – say it how it was. And that's what made Steve hated by a few, right? And also the best caddy that's ever lived because he he said it flat out all the time and didn't didn't hold back. And he would be my number one pick to, to mic up, absolutely. Was Fluff um, quiet because he had to get through the ruffle that he had on his face? <laughs> well, could have been that. Or it, he was probably could, screaming on the other side of that. It could have been <laughs> that he was- It's a pop guard. It, was, it could have been that or it could have been he was trying to catch his breath up those hills. I'm not sure. <laughs> 
Oh, I love it. Speaking of loves, I love that we are not going to hear, well, hopefully not, we're not going to hear about pimento cheese sandwiches and what great value they are this year because there's no patrons there. <laughs> but they Seriously, are. Seriously, how many times can they? Oh, it's cheese. Mate, it's a toasted okay, cheese sandwich. Okay, can I, we, I, and and apparently they're not the I, easiest things to hold down. I'm going to knock you off your pedal still here. If you haven't had one, you, from that place, you, you cannot knock it. <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, my, you can't spend $15. Can't. It's impossible. My my real love, my real love is that there's no green reading books allowed mm. this year. I that's my real love. I think that this is. I'd like to see it throughout golf. If I'm honest, I think they should just get rid of them. I think it's a it's a skill that players should have, and uh, I, you could, I get the argument that if everyone's got them, then everyone's got the advantage. But I think you're really taking away a skill from some of the players who are who are at that end of the spectrum, really really good at, at green reading. So for me, I'm wrapped at that they're gone, and I think we're gonna. It's gonna really play to. The best putters in the world, who I think should be the guys who who get the green jacket. Just on that, I've got a bit to add on this one because it's it's a really interesting interesting one, Augusta, getting rid of that because well, the ability to have that is because it would be basically, in my opinion, pointless anyway. (laughs) Because I've seen them on a Wednesday have a green run a certain way and let's call it break a certain way, which it'll you know of course it will do the next day the same sort of break, but. They will then go out and roll things uphill or downhill or side cut a green to slow it up to make the break and the curvature different. And I remember chatting to Stevie and Tiger on 13 and had a downhill putt there on, what day was it? It was the Thursday and I walked to the far corner of the green to look for the next pin and Stevie was behind me. He's like, you're looking for tomorrow's pin? He's like, he's like yeah, here it is. And he, I'm like, oh, great. And he, and he said, but he ignore what you might have in that book from yesterday in regards to the pace of this this coming down the hill. He said they'll come out here t- tonight under lights and they'll cut this thing and push it down grain. He goes, it'll be brutal tomorrow, this putt. So just give Bads a heads up there. So the green grass, and again, we're getting onto top topics, which we probably should because there's just too much to talk about. The grass, despite being this pure distinction bent, I believe, it still has a grain that they can impact by mowers? I would say not a grain as such, but but more because they're bladed blade glass, it depends. If you roll something nonstop, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna smooth it out, aren't you? So they'll choose a way to roll it into a corner or they'll use their mowers, which have their own inbuilt roller, to go up the other way, which won't be anywhere near as quick as a just a pure roller on a green. So, so you're it, suggesting it's all? It ends up being just all pure guesswork, and anything yeah. that drops is a pure bloody fluke. <laughs> it, 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 well, guesswork is is a lot of what Augusta wants you to do. They want you to methodically understand and play out a shot and be really, really paying attention to what you're doing. And if you're going off a green book that tells you, "Oh, this putt breaks," you know, six foot to the right on the stimp that's 13, and that's what it is, that they would be able to trip you up on that every time but by the way that they can set that course up. Plus, they can heat up greens and cool down greens with their with all the electronics under greens. So, they can make grass basically stand up or sit down. It's it's amazing. So, so Kipper, and I don't want to bring up bad memories, but you spoke of, <laughs> uh, you, you spoke of a, a putt that you backed in on 11 when yes. you were cutting for bads. Yep. In theory, you didn't do anything wrong. Well, I mean, you actually read it, potentially you read it the way that it always should have, but then Uncle Blowfish, cut, um, ooh, he wouldn't be listening, surely. But then, in fact, he's gone anyway. It's now anyway. That, but oh dear, <laughs> digging me a hole that's deeper than Dad, which is why he's not here. Thanks, legal. But potentially something had been done to the green that that could have affected that part, or was that well, just a terrible read by you? Nah, just terrible read. But <laughs> to, to be to be fair, in my defence, what what it could have been was the fact that when I said it was right lip and it. And then it went right. Uh, that's that's a stuff up, right? But the fact that it went right more than I thought it should have could have been the fact that the green was faster <laughs> yeah. than, I, than I thought it was. It's all so relative. Either way, it was missing. But so did he. So bad luck. <laughs> what are your thoughts, boys, about – I mean, we know we, we're in love with Augusta National generally and we talk about this every year and, and we're, you know, we're quite effusive about it and gushing. But what are your thoughts of a major having that one course to come back to every single year? You go first, Phil. I love it because it's Augusta. So it's the Masters, but it's Augusta. So people will talk about Augusta's coming up as much as they will mm. the Masters coming up. Absolutely. So a, a purpose-built venue designed to put on an event like this, it, it actually just goes 
hand in glove, for want of a better analogy, or is that a metaphor? I'm not sure. So, so I think it's because it is purpose built, uh, and it is the perfect venue, and they do have those permanent camera towers and everything else. I'm completely comfortable with it. And the thing that I and it's not really a love, but it's a love. I, I watched a little video from Ian Poulter today, saying this is what it looks like engulfing heaven. His joy of just being there. Yeah. I mean, this this absolute joy. Like they get there and it's like, oh, I, I've made it back to Augusta. You look at really? the celebrations when they get the letter from Augusta inviting them to play, which I love that tradition as well. It's mm. such a great tradition. Yeah, it, it is just unbelievable. And that's, it, I, I thought. Sorry, you guys. Sorry. I for one love. I love it personally. I know you couldn't do it at more than one major. So I think mm. the fact that you've got one—that's great. We love that. But if you if you're trying to do it for even two majors, it'd it'd wear pretty thin, I think, because there's so many brilliant courses out there. But the tradition of masters and how how unique it is in so many different ways. Mm. Indeed, you'll probably talk about the course not necessarily being as difficult as other courses around mm. the world, or um, and all those things, but. Every year, as much as it's the same thing, it's almost like it's almost if once a year you get that wag, you know, that wag you nine, nine plus marble, it's once a year you get to have it. You're going to put it on the barbie, you're going to just have this magnificent steak. Can you get that from Coles? You're not, you're not going (laughs) to, you're not going to get sick of it. You're going to look forward to it every year. And I think if Augusta was a, was a waggy bit of wagyu beef, uh, it'd be a more than a nine, (laughs) Marvel Nine boys. Sorry, you've just thrown me with a Marvel Nine. Because the last time I heard Marvel Nine, I thought they said Marvel Rye. And you're thinking Seinfeld. (laughs) That's (laughs) right. Like, yeah, I, I tell you what, my bulk pack. Phillips Porterhouse that I get from Coles, a marble three. <laughs> you are you are better than this, boys. Come on. I'm actually not. I'm equal to or worse than. Uh, I love it. No, I, I, I agree. It, it's definitely the, the big love of mine is, is the fact that it does get played at the same course. And further to point two, mate, Dames, I reckon that if they did do any more than one, it becomes like your tennis major. I know obviously tennis gets played on two similar surfaces, grass and and um, obviously clay, but the other ones, Australian Open, and, and they, they do change the surface somewhat, right, from, uh, from rebound to, you know, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, like having four, it favours the person, doesn't it, right? So, yeah. yeah, you just only have to look at Rafa and what he's done there. Like, so you would get a course that if you were, you know, and I know this week's all about bombers, like apparently, you hit it huge, but if that's all it was and the greens were pretty easy or something, it'd just be that's all that could mm-hmm. win at this course, right? Whereas I think what makes Augusta great is that although obviously everyone plays the same track every year, it's it, it just so different in all areas. You've got to have every skill. You can't just get away with bombing. You've got to be a great putter. You've got to be a pretty good thinker and you've got to have a lot of patience. So if you don't have those attributes, you're never going to kind of get over the line there anyway. And that's and that's the reason why every year without fail we see some some of the older guys, some of the the past mm. champions of the game, right in contention with the the new hotshots who can who can bomb it you know, fifty meters past them. Yeah. Freddie, you, you had Bernard Langer a couple of years ago, right there up until the start of round, or halfway through the final round, mm. and he was paying five hundred and one to one at the start of that tournament. I know, I had money on him. Mm. He only had to be in the top five, Phil. Anyway. And he's still trying to hit a draw with that exotic hybrid too. <laughs> But, but the fact that these guys keep popping up, I think, is so good for golf because right. it just it means it's at least you know perceive you know you, you perceive that anyone can win it, mm. which is what we love to see. Yeah. So, so yeah. So there are some there are some players that are just suited, obviously, to Augusta. And we've touched on that in, in previous podcasts about you know Sergio saying it hates me, I hate it, and then he won. Until and I, I love it. it, and I'm going to name my daughter <laughs> after it. And <laughs> Augusta. Um, but part of the one of my questions, and and just to get into the nitty gritty, because we do need to pick your your brains about Augusta, because I have never had the joy of having a pimento cheese sandwich. And why I'm most looking forward to having a pimento cheese sandwich, Damien, is because it means I've been there. Right. Stay. You're not, sell- you're not selling him. I, I, what I would like to know is, or talk a little bit about is equipment setup and how players that you've caddied for over the journey potentially change their, their setup. Because I've obviously got a story, it's a bit of a Dorothy Dixit. But what, what have you found or what did you find with your players? Did they ever adjust equipment going in? Uh, only slightly, I've got to be honest. And to be fair, from 1999 when I was there through to 2007, that sort of, you know, eight-odd years that I w- w- ventured to the place, there wasn't the, I guess, the technological advances that you see today as much. So, you know, a few years later, I think Phil came out with the, the two drivers, you know, where he took a left and a right driver and, 
And then it really started to ramp up where players would, would totally change gear going into not just Augusta, but a lot of events. Wasn't like that as much. The only thing that my guys ever experimented with really was mainly putters and the weight of putters. Their drivers usually was just their driver um, and all the wedges usually stayed the same as a general rule. Occasionally, they'd look at a longer club as well to have in the bag off some of the tees where you, you used to have to hit iron or could hit iron. But that's about it. Are we thinking this year, though, more than any other, is going to be one where there are more equipment changes? I mean, being you know in November now as opposed to April, it's going to be a lot cooler. So, obviously, the balls aren't mm. going to travel as far. How much of a difference do those cooler temperatures really make to a setup days? A, a huge amount, actually, mate. If you knew it was going to be cool all the time, yeah, you, you, could, run, you could run all sorts of changes. But I think that was the, the most amazing thing about having it in the spring is I can, I can remember a tournament there where – it was oh, it wasn't quite snowing, but Jesus, it wasn't far off. I tell you, it was so cold, and I had <laughs> made the, made the mistake the day before of rugging up, and it got real hot in the afternoon. So I'm like, I'm not doing this the second time with the overalls on. So I wore nothing under the overalls except my shorts, and I, I I nearly died. It was that simple. It was that cold. So it fluctuates so much there. I don't know if they have the temperatures springs that they'll have this week. I don't know if that's okay. I've never been there, obviously, in the fall. So, um, but yeah, it really fluctuates there. Which is the thing that we're most looking forward to, I think, or one of the things I'm most looking forward to is is how the weather conditions do impact on, on mm, everything else. Because they've spoken about cooler temperatures, but still the humidities mm. hang around, which will which will do a lot with the golf ball. Hence, Bryson's you know talk about gaining a few inches and and potentially mucking around with an extra long driver, and even in terms of mapping out the mm. course in certain ways. But I do have a little bit of an equipment story because, Dee's to your point, you know there there was limited adjustment going back in the early 2000s and then when R7 arrived, all of a sudden they were able to weight the heel or, or weight the toe, and particularly around Augusta, trying to create that draw, that draw bias. But Faldo, I've got a Faldo story that I may or may not have heard and some of this may or may not be accurate. So I'll be corrected by somebody <laughs> with questions from the gallery at some stage in the future. How is that legal? Was that okay? 90, uh, now I'm not sure what Masters it was, but I'm going to go with 96. He'd been working with his shaper at Mizuno, uh, who went by the name of Turbo. And Turbo was his shaper at Mizuno because Turbo was the tallest of the shapers and therefore could get closest to a Feldo eye view of the clubs to make them look pretty. Although when they first tested things out, they got them all to stand on a box to see what it would look like being as tall as Feldo looking down <laughs> on a, a golf club. I know this for a fact. But Feldo worked with Turbo to create a set of irons from Mizuno, and I believe they ended up being the TP19s, that were ground perfectly to suit the conditions at Augusta. So the soles of them were actually – they were a one tournament, effectively a one tournament set of golf clubs that were created for him by Turbo in terms of shapes, whereby he could actually get the camber on the sole and the leading edge exactly right to suit the fairways and the lies, and particularly the fact that it was more undulating. Now, now don't ask me if there was therefore more bounce or less bounce. Don't ask me where the CG was. Although, funnily enough, I did see a photo of Feldo's irons where he had lead tape high and towards the toe of pretty well all of his irons, Uh which is trying to drag that CG up into the middle, get the ball flight down in the spin-up. Amazing. But but that's exactly how – this is how finicky – so sometimes it might be that the guys you were cutting for, Kipper, just weren't thinking hard enough. But the mind of a champion. mm, It's interesting you say that because what I did two or three years in from going there is I designed a practice regime for my players where – I'd note down basic drives on basic wind days, basic sort of elevation where they'd finish and then how far you'd predict, uh, you know, because I'd already had the yardage books, I kind of knew that anyway. Everyone's in the same area every day. So then I had a ratio of downhill, uphill, side hill, below feet, above feet, feet lies and what type of iron. And I'd have to go back in the books to check it out, but it was staggering how many above your feet, just above mid irons that you had in the holes. It was unbelievable. The percentage was huge. So I took that to my guys and said, look, get on a something somewhere above your feet and just train a lot with your, you know, sevens and eights and, and six iron because you'll need a truckload of them. There's only like three shots on the course where you'll it'll be below your feet with a club of that length. So, you know, draw bias, you know, slinging it in is quite hard to gauge when you, when that's the, the lie above your feet. You can pull it easy. So it was, I reckon, think just hearing that, first time I've ever heard that, Phil, I would 100% think that he because he loved the you know smooth draw so he would have been all over trying to grind his his weapons on the base so that they didn't heal grab yeah that's interesting oh yeah i've got some interesting stuff mm. <laughs> and the box thing mate standing on the box i didn't know that oh, if, that, if yeah. that's true or not but now we what? all know that it was when feldo first went to japan to meet 
the Mizuno shapers and was introduced there. And they were trying to get that idea. And then someone said, we've got to stand on a box. And all of a sudden they were like, <laughs> wow, this actually get- – but true. In fact, Feldo said in an interview, he said their, their eyes kind of lit up or light bulbs went off saying, I now understand – the, the different perspective. You know how last week you were talking yeah. about, you know, whether it's it's the eye of the CG or it's actually the, the centre of the club to the eye of the player. Mm-hmm. To understand what Feldo looked like standing over the ball or what he was looking down at, they needed to get to that same level. And apparently it, it changed a lot of the perspective on the design. Mm. They'd have to stand on top of a truck to uh, design a, design some clubs for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've you've left yourself open there, though, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so we'll move right along. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just on those changes that we've talked about uh, this year, uh, weather-wise, are those differences going to suit players fairly new to the course, or you know, who, who are there playing their first or second, maybe even third time at the course, as opposed to the veterans who have set, you know, sort of have a set tried and true method and you know course from previous outings there, or, or do you think is, is, is Augusta National just one of those courses that needs a few goes around to fully understand its intricacies. Yeah, I, I, I can answer that straight up, mate, and say that I think that you can very quickly overanalyze Augusta because the first couple of times that I remember going there as a, just a young little kid, Caddy, or not even Caddy, walking around with Bads in practice rounds, and he was playing very good. And he was playing with you know, one of the best players in the world a couple of times in a row there with Phil Mickelson just taking us out on that course. Bads was shooting five or six on or five on the first time and got it to six, I think, the second time and finished at five or four. And we're like, what's so hard about this, right? And the the reality was that the more you play it, the more you see problems and the more you start to get tight over shots. And then we played a practice round with a certain individual and they started to tell us their line the whole way was where not to hit it. And they're like, don't hit it here or you will take double. You're dead here. And then don't miss a putt here or you will freestab this every time. And Bad's had a word to me. He's like, can you can you just get him to, you know, not 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 to keep talking about where not to hit it? He goes, I hate thinking like that. So then I had to flip that to the person. I just said, look, you know, Bad's he's got he's not not very good mentally. And uh just uh, just tell him where to hit it. He likes that. And, he, and then the next time I was like, hit it there. <laughs> so So we know he's American. So what what's no, the I, um what's the hesitation it. in what just declaring who this was? I mean, you have been a lot of people. Because I like uh, the guy. Okay. <laughs> nah, nah, Stuart, I'll, I'll throw him under a bus. It was Stuart Appleby. Um, <laughs> with an American accent at yeah, the time, no, way back then. No, I, yeah. I tried to throw you with that one, but nah. Holes in play, play with apples and he was, you know, typical apples, you know, sort of kind of way he is. He's, he's just so, you know, flamboyant and talk, he just talks you through everything and he's like, don't leave, yeah, you will fall apart like, and, and, you know, but it, it was Getting to Aaron after about the third or fourth hole, and, and uh, <laughs> so I, I had to tell him that Bad's had some mental problems. <laughs> and after that, he was just telling me where to hit it, and it was all roses. So yeah, it was funny stuff. And in terms of setup, therefore, Damo, as an extension to your point, Kipper. So, so therefore, it doesn't matter how often you've played there, or is there actually an advantage? Because I really want to nail this down because this is going to come back to our crystal balls later on with mm. one of my tips. Is it an advantage the fact that no one in the field has played it? In November, probably other than mm. Tiger and Phil, who would have just done it maybe because they were bored, and Condoleezza Rice. So very few people have played it in November. Is there something that, therefore, that brings the field back to a an even a relatively even playing field other than Tiger and Phil? I mean, can you give me a tip that's actually going to pay off? N- nah. Thanks. <laughs> Good. I'm glad but we I, pursued but, that. But, but I would say for sure that I reckon that you, you get comfortable also too at Augusta because the first few times that you go there – You've you know, heard about all the things, and you're you're so in awe, and you're driving up, you know, Magnolia Lane, and you, you you just can't help but be all gittery. Like you're just so you know, you're so excited about everything. So once you've done that a few times, there's definitely the, I guess, the familiarity. Can't even say that, but um, you well, become. Yeah, exactly. Right? I was going to say, yeah. I was letting it go, Phil. <laughs> no, it's halfway between being giddy and jittery. No, I got what you were saying. It's actually a perfect word. Well, but that's exactly how I felt, gittery. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. It, it actually, there is not a better word than gittery as to how a first-time player this week will be feeling. I love I love. I'm, Write it down uh, because, but, but it's also too because you be you also don't trademark want, it. You also don't want to do anything wrong. That's that's how that yeah. was the overriding feeling I reckon from from me and Badsman were there first time was you just don't want to do anything wrong. So these people that are coming in first first time Augustarians, they will have that sense of 
just tread lightly. But that doesn't mean that they can't win it. It really doesn't because the field's so small and all you've got to do is is hit it in the right places and you'll, you'll play well, which has been proven by some first-time sort of players out there. But I think being familiar is better. Does the field – here's my next question. Does the, does the field depth detract in any way from the event? I mean, the TPC, the Players' Championship, is the best field in golf. Mm. The Augusta field is not as strong as that. Mm. Does that detract in any way from the event? I think it adds to it for one reason, is that there's only one other event really kind of like that now, and that's the FedEx Cup where it gets down to the last, you know, 20 or 30. And that's kind of all there is in the field anyway, really. I mean, there's 60-odd players, but there's probably 30-odd that can win it. From a viewer perspective, they're the best players on the planet and you know they're going to kind of be in the hunt. So, well, other like, than Larry Mars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, all the previous winners, yeah, forget them. But the point is those top 20 or 30 is what I'm getting at. They're, they're there and and so who cares, right, about Consid- the rest? <laughs> considering, considering we only ever see 20 or 30 people um, covered in any <laughs> golf tournament, Phil, I don't think it actually makes any difference to the viewer. Mm. <laughs> it's-, yeah, it's quicker to actually get through the um, leaderboard on the screen too. They just go one page, two page, three page, That's they're coming That's- last, let's yeah. move on. <laughs> Is Augusta the hardest week for a caddy on tour? No, I wouldn't say that, actually, no. It, no, is, I said it. No, is, it, is Allenby playing? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. The, now, the hardest weeks for you as a caddy, it's got not just to do with the course. It's got to do with the entire week and how you get around and um, navigate yourself during the week and where you stay and travel. And Augusta is was, when I was there, so good to caddies. It wasn't funny and made your – time they're like easy so to get out and do your job and do it professionally that's what they demanded which was weird because everywhere else you know caddies are treated so poorly and they couldn't care less what you do they just want you out of course but you're a part of their team you're a part of who they do and just, just playing a small violin absolutely yeah going. And, and and you know wearing a uniform and all the rest of it, you don't want to do anything wrong you got to do it right so, and they they look after you so it's actually easier to caddy there than i think a lot of places excluding the pressure. The pressure's right up there, but that's that's the same in any major. Um, and I, there was never coming down the, um, the stretch in contention there, so I, I couldn't tell you what that felt like. Um, but but the, the actual place itself doesn't intimidate a caddy at all, or shouldn't. Now, considering we've talked, we've talked about the cooler air, the cooler conditions, we've talked about the green reading book not being there, who, who do those conditions suit the most? Who, who do you think capitalises on the back of that? Well, definitely. And the green reading part's interesting because I, I – I remember stories about from year to year, they kind of dig up a lot of greens anyway. So they're never the exactly the same green. So I don't know if it necessarily favours a player that's been there in the past any more than anybody else, other than the fact that they kind of know where pins go and, and that sort of stuff. So I'd say it would it would benefit players that have been there a little bit more than newbies. Can you Are you any chance of ever actually putting some names to these people? Um, oh. <laughs> oh, no, we'll get onto that. We'll, we'll, we'll get onto that. But from a green reading point of view, give me – are there greens that any one of our listeners, mm. the millions of you, would have played on that are similar to Augusta? What is the, what is the closest in terms of pitch, shapes, or otherwise? Oh, gee, that's a tough one. Um, yeah. Like I only have any course that's the same because it's – or not the same, but or that's, that's even similar. Royal Melbourne's got some huge – undulations that are not silly, right, which it'd be as close – I'll get back to why I'm talking about not being silly, that I think are as close as I've seen to putting a a golfer to the test without it being ridiculous, right? I only have to go down to Moona Links and, you know, see St Andrews and that's some of the most ridiculous, you know, blobs on greens down there that don't help anything, right, and they're not there really to – to Hindi, they're just there, right? Whereas Augusta, there's always a reason for a slope. And it's the same as at Royal Greens. They're built to test the player. And, and so, therefore, Royal um, Melbourne would be one of the places where I think is is a similar kind of test, but not the same as. Is that a McKenzie – I mean, I know I spoke to Mike Cockney about this from OCM about whether you can actually step onto a course and understand immediately mm. who built it or who designed it. He said um, no, didn't he, Phil? Uh, he did say no, so I thought I'd ask Kipper um, because I didn't <laughs> like that answer. So, so Kipper, do you walk around Augusta going, yeah, no, I can see that this is a little bit McKenzie and a little bit rock and roll? Well, no, and I don't know Thank anywhere you. near as much as obviously Mike Confirmed. does. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, right? 
you just don't. Like, Mike obviously knows he's he's like a million times more knowledgeable on this than me. I know nothing, but it's each course by a great designer might have a tiny little inkling of something they do, but it, they're mainly different. Mm. No, Phil. No, you don't agree. <laughs> no, no, I do. I actually, I, I do agree. I'm, I'm just desperate to. What I'm desperate to do is to get a real sense, having not been there, of, of where it is. So the, ele- you know, they talk a lot about the elevation changes, and that there's yep. not many courses in the world that have elevation of any note that have yep. elevation changes the way Augusta does. You know, I've heard ten hitting off on ten being described as you're just bombing it off a cliff. Mm. But but because I, I haven't been there, like I'm really, I've just taken this opportunity to try and get as much of a sense mm. as every little part of Augusta as I can, and you're giving me dead set nothing. <laughs> well, okay, I'll give you something. He gave you pimento sauce, uh, with, cheese. But, <laughs> with, okay, here's the thing about here's the thing about some of the greens, right? This is the part that I will will hopefully uh, enlighten you in. Is that it, the the greens is only some of them, right? That because they're, they're, they're so big, the greens, right? That, that's the first thing that hits you about Augusta. The greens are freaking huge, right? But there's only so many places they can have a pin. Now I can't think of many greens that I've played on anywhere in the world that could be the size of Augusta's greens that could only have three to six pin placements, period, right? And that's what Augusta does. They're they're rolling kind of mounds or hills they're not just greens so they f- they feed and you can see it on the coverage they feed into swallows and they feed into areas of the green and and the size of them is so rare so there's some that are super flat and all the rest of it like 11 and so on but even well, 11 flat. well no they're not because 11 obviously all banks and everything but th- but they're safe greens and you get to those greens they're safe but the design on that on the 11th is so good that you know that part is so slick across the slope that you're already thinking about don't hit it in the water with your putt. <laughs> so although yeah. it's although it's a simple green, it, it's still got the fear of God in you over every putt. And I don't know, Phil, that's the only thing I could tell you is over every putt, no matter what hole you're on at Augusta, you have to switch on and be calm about it. And I can't say that about any other course that I've been to. And with when you hear about the players, when they get there, they, they rave about the course and, and they're so excited about being at the tournament days. Do you get a sense when you're out with them that they're actually having fun or can you have fun at Augusta during during Masters or is it just purely just I'm here, it's a dream, but oh, the, yeah. the stress is just and, uh, I, I Look, I never played and I wish I had it because I can't answer that from their point of view, but I would say no, you can't have fun yeah. out there unless it's a – That's a real shame, <laughs> unless though, you're pl- Yeah. Yeah, but unless you're playing a money ball a few days earlier, right, or a prac a pracky round, that, something that with Phil, absolutely, then it is an absolute joy because you can hit little practice putts around, you can hit second shots, and you, you know, you can cool the jets any time that the course beats you. But it, it's just unrelenting in so many areas that when you get it going and you're going deep, uh, I remember going back nine there with Rob one year, um, and he got it going. Like we got five or six under on that back nine, real, real stretch and. All it did was amp the pressure up. That's all it did. You didn't. You weren't thinking, let's birdie the next, <laughs> which is what you do think on when you get those runs going, let's birdie everything. It was, whoa, protected, okay. Protected, well, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously they're better than trying to protect it, but they, you don't have that air of confidence right, of let's take this course apart. You just don't. It's always there to bite you. All right, boys. I think it's time to put our, uh, put our mer- metaphoricals on the line and uh, let's- Our crystal let's, balls. Yes, that's what I was trying to get to, Phil. And uh, let, let's go with our picks. And I'm, I'll, I'll kick things off. I, I was going to, um, well, obviously there are, there are those that that are pretty easy picks to go with, like the, the Dustin Johnson. You think it's going to suit him? The Brysons and the Brooks. But I'm going with Xander Shoffley this week. Mm. The Shafoffle. He's had half a dozen top sixes in majors in his career. He's going at nearly fifty percent top six in every major. So he's a, he loves majors as a rule. How's um, he top right- fives though? Should it? No, because top six f- worked into my stats. <laughs> yeah. Phil, it gave me a little bit better. But uh, the runner, he was runner. Well, he was runner up here last year as well. So he's shown that he can get around Augusta, and we often see a lot of the similar guys do well at Augusta once they've sort of done once or twice. You see them up there again, at least for a couple of days. Um, so I think he's, I think he's got it to step up and, and become a become a major champion. The key things for me is that his putting's been been really good. And obviously, as Dees has mentioned already, um, Kip has mentioned you need to putt well around there. Not that we didn't already know that, but I think this year it's going to be really really crucial. His strokes gained putting on the um, oh, PGA Tour. He's he's twelfth. 
uh, third overall in strokes gained across all categories. So, and he's also right up there for for birdies. And you got a birdie, mm. as you just said there, dude. You get on a run, you've got to be able to make birdies at, at Augusta. Mm. And he's he's fifth on the PGA Tour at the moment with birdie average. So I'm going for Xander, uh, and I think it'd be and I think it'd be brilliant to see the young fellow get up after being close so many times. So why Plus do you he's- think he's going to win? Sorry, I'm just joking. <laughs> Fell asleep halfway through there. I, I, I just loved shit. I wish All right, boys, I'm off. I'm getting a drink. You boys can run the rest of this. I wish, I wish the listeners could have seen your face then, Shooter. You just, if you could reach through a screen and grab Phyllis by the neck, he was done. <laughs> Kipper, Kipper, have you, have you put any thought in at all as to no. who is going to win? And then, I, and then do you have a roughie? My winner, I'm going for the old Tony Finau. The old ankle dislocation. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't, I, he's, he's played well there before. He's uh, he's a jet, we know anyway, and yeah. he's been close to a lot of majors. But he's also just you know, I think he's pretty calm playing there as well. Yeah. Um, so I think Tony's a he's, well. I think it's a matter of time till he wins a major, to be honest. So I think he's, he's hard or, not or to in a love, tournament, isn't he? He's, he's awesome. <laughs> or win a tournament. Yeah. Well, that fair point. He doesn't get over the line as much as he should. You only have to get a, get over once. Hey, Brooks didn't win a lot of tournaments, and he went, then he started winning majors, Phil, and he won more majors than other events. Okay, so here's what I want. Listen up, everyone, because I'm going to give you the news. And then we'll get on to our roughies, but I'm going to give you the news. There are only two words that are required. I don't need stats. I don't need anything else. Patrick Reed. Oh, he'd kill. That would would make that would top top 2020 off. They would have bet. I mean, it would be a 2020 thing, but they'll actually shut down the Masters. (laughs) It'll never be played again. Two time. (laughs) No one will watch it again. Masters. Patrick Reed, flusher. Great putter, loves the joint. Loves the joint. Awesome player. Um, very good. All round. Can I tell you why he won't win, Phil? You can try. Because he needs he needs to have an angry crowd to get him fired and, and fired up and going. And it's going to be quiet as a ma- it's going to be quiet as a church mouse there. And you're going to have him going around yelling at trees, trying to get trees to yell back at him. He'll be having a go at officials to try and annoy them. No, that, it won't that, work. He, he needs he needs that he needs the energy. Some players no, he's need an energy. energy creator. He's no. an energy generator. This is, why, this is also why I think Tiger won't win it because Tiger needs noise in order to not listen to for him to uh, <laughs> to shut out in order for him to, okay. to win. Don't need your stats. Give me a roughie and then we'll get on oh, to some other questions for dudes. Really tight, wouldn't it? Mm. Roughie, me? Yeah, anyone, anyone, any one of the two of you. Look, uh, my Either. my roughie, hey. I'm, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going real rough because I reckon if he doesn't come good now, he's done. And that's Jordan Spieth. I, I knew you were going to jump on him again. The poor reckon, If he doesn't clock around and get in contention in this major, I'm almost calling it. Oh, and, no, I, and I don't want it to happen. Ridiculous. I don't want it to happen. But I love he's, he's in. He's in rare, um, horrendous form. I don't even know. Yeah, you could. It's oh. a hell of a combination of words there. Yeah, unhorrendous. <laughs> almost one of them was correct. Um, <laughs> <laughs> My, my, can you even call him a roughie? I'll, I'll stick with a with a Louis, Louis Ustazen. Oh, what a surprise! He's my, but no, he's, but he's, he's not becoming. A he's that's not what a I'm saying. He's really not a boring. I've got to go rougher than that. Hey, you, I, you only put, I put one out there and committed to it, and Phil's can, named forty two other people. I haven't well, can, I named Patrick Reed. You may have said one. Can, <laughs> got that wrong. Can, can, can Mickelson contend? No. Uh, anyway, moving <laughs> you know, on to the you know roughie that is you know, most likely. He's had a few wins, hasn't he? No, recently. So I'm going to declare. I'm just going to keep talking. I'm going to declare the one-two finish here, and I'm just not sure about the order. Here we go. Patrick Reed. Oh, God. So this is the Quinella, and I don't even bet. Patrick Reed, Francesco Molinari. Franche- Francesco is, yeah, I see that. Yeah. After last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. On his way back, just had a good tournament at Houston. Putsy's proverbial off uh, without the stats. He might not. I don't know. I haven't looked. Okay. But with, okay, on that, Phil, so with, with that- <laughs> How well have you, you need some stats on this? How well have guys who have let it slip? How have they fared the following year? Seven point one percent and found out. Yeah, so that's not great odds. <laughs> well, it depends which way you're looking at it. I mean, is he in the top the or the bottom? Seven point one argument. Well, oh, let, look, let's just say. You know what I mean? What I'm saying is he's coming in with yeah. some real baggage from last year, and I don't think that they shake it all that easy. Rory's another one. Look at him when he capitulated at the Masters, and he he can't quite get there. I think that really messed with him mentally. Ground 12 of postal votes. He'll be right. <laughs> now, now, Kipper, I've heard you, just because I don't even need a roughie from you, even though you've already said it, Jordan Spieth, which I still can't believe that you're on record, having said, quirks of Augusta through the eyes of a caddy. 
So I, I just want to understand a little bit some things that I've never heard or certainly our listeners have never heard about Augusta and things potentially to look out for that they'll then look at, watch the coverage and go, that's what Kipper said. I mean, it took him a lot of words. but <laughs> Or not many of made sense as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, to look out for. So well, if we hopefully get some footage of the front nine, which we're sp- supposed to, right, if you get a camera on the fourth tee box, it won't, but it is one of the toughest tee boxes that you and shots that you could possibly undertake at that course, right? So try to appreciate if you get a t- footage of it what the player has to do. Now, they're barreling in there from 200 and something yards normally, right? Normal wind there is in your face. So, you haven't got any assistance to get you there. So, it's a long, long iron and normally. And you've got to land it. There's two, two places you can land it. There's a huge ridge that's the height of me or more, right? So, uh, it's like a two-meter ridge that flows straight across, well, roughly flows straight across the green left to right. So you've got a top tier and you've got a bottom tier. And then the bottom tier is obviously, in, I guess, is, is backing onto a big trap that's hugely high-faced. So when you stand on that tee, uh, for, for those that get to see it, it's, it's so intimidating because you've got literally metres, and I mean it, metres to land the ball in to finish near your pin. Otherwise, you're miles away either on the top tier, in the bunker, or otherwise, and then just to make three is an epic. So you stand over that tee shot, and as a caddy anyway, that used to be the toughest almost on the course, barring a few of the wind issues that, that are around Amen Corner, to get it right. So if you, you know, for the viewers, that's something. That's the that fourth. It, it drives you nuts. Fifth, another one. I could go all day, you feel. Fifth, the green on five is the weirdest green, but the one of the, I guess, weirdest and scariest, but also coolest greens I've ever seen. It's terrifying as well going in. Huge, huge slope that's that's about nearly my height as well, same as same as four. But then slopes away for probably fifteen or ten or fifteen meters, right? So the front of the green is basically redundant. When you've got your yardage book, you actually walk up to where this tier is, and then it's like a continual slope all the way up, and that's the front of your your yardage book, really, barring one pin that can be front right. But and then to land on that top tier is tough because you've got a bunker long, and once you're in that, you can't stop it coming down the hill. And so five green, if you get to see it and have a look at it, it just never does justice the the, the camera angles and the the depth of feel at that shot and and the putts need. I could go through hole by hole, by the way. Second um, shot into nine. Talk me through the second shot into nine and how okay. easy it is to come up to land it maybe four metres short of the front edge and then suck back 50 metres and then for Norman to struggle to get up and down. Right. Well, I've got a, I've got a, I can even go you one better there. I've got a story where I nearly got stabbed on that hole. Um, so <laughs> L&B, we, yep. We, 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 we stripe a drive down playing with Rory Sabatini. We're about five yards away Ooh, from- Oh, hang on. Suddenly so, a new contender enters the race. Oh, Payback mate, it's from a, the pre-cute. It's a yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. This one, anyway. So we get over it. It's a nine iron all day. The pin is a front tier, and of course that puts the heebie-jeebies in everyone. But it was the right bat and all the rest of it. Anyway, flushes this thing, Rob, right at it, perfectly struck. And the ball's always the hard part about that hole. Look, it'd be hard to say this year how far they drive it down there and all the rest of it. But back when I was there, you could you were driving it to a part that the ball was still sitting below your feet, plus on an angle that was normally downwards, so below your feet and downwards. Now, if you're trying to play a draw off that lie, it's near impossible because it you know, just doesn't go go against the way that the, the blade will enter the grass. So that shot you almost have to fade in. Now, when you start fading a ball into a highly tiered green that, that, that has spin, you now got also extra problems with revolutions on your ball and it's just a tough shot, right? So anyway, Rob nukes this thing right out and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And... It got right over the green and you could just see it. it gets picked up by a, a little gust of wind and literally moved in the air. I could, you could just see it. <laughs> and, and I'm like, and my heart started to race and it then just flop, flops right down about a metre past the hole and the crowd goes, yeah, like this. And then I just knew what was coming. And of course, <laughs> off she went, right? Well, Robert, Robert looked at me and- if I could have ran, I would have, but uh, there was a few words. It was all happening, and uh, we walked a little bit further. The words were still ensuring, and then Sabatini had the same shot. So, Sabatini's hit the same bat, exact same yardage. It, it was five yards different, but but on the horizontal. Flushes this thing right, 
right over the fin, right? And then he doesn't get hit by the, the wind and falls about four yards from uh, past the flag, spins back and stiff. <laughs> Robbie's going, look, and I can't, I'm not going to go into what he said in here because it was even on, on podcasts, it's too harsh. But um, it was on and I, I just sit there, took it, and we walked for about another four yards and Sabatini comes across and he's like, hey, Rob, he goes, oh, he's, not, he's not American, no. but I'll pretend. He's like, hey, Rob, you got dicked. <laughs> well, well, Rob couldn't rebut that, right? Because he, because he knew he had, right? He got screwed because of the win. But that then validated me not necessarily being as as wrong as he thought he thought I was, right? Well, he, he just he's like, oh, and then Sabatini went on with it. He goes, "You just got smashed by the wind. You got so unlucky, so unlucky." He goes, "Mine didn't. Mine's stiff, right?" So he's just rubbing it into Rob. Anyway. So typical, typical seventeen. He finally walks off, happy as Larry, and Rob just turns to me, and he's just unloaded, right? He, he wasn't having any of it. He's like, he doesn't know anything anyway. So that was that. So the ninth hole is a is an absolute death trap. And it, did you it, get fired? Did you? Oh get yeah, fired there? on the tenth hole, got fired on the that. That's <laughs> the, that was the famous round where I wasn't allowed to speak from ten through <laughs> ten through thirteen. Uh, did everything by basically hieroglyphics on my my yardage book and uh, sign language, and uh, and then thirteen That's got sad. to ask a, a question as the uh, second shot in the thirteen over over razors ensuring. Yeah, it was a great day, but oh, we, we come home strong and and uh, birdied almost everything coming in. That was like I was telling you before, we were five or six hundred on the back nine, so it was all happy days at the end of the uh, round. But yeah, there was a few few dark dark holes out there. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, against time, we move on to questions from the gallery, lads. Um, actually, Philly, you've got you've got no, one there, more. There no, there is one. There is one more, which is the actually the main question that I wanted to ask you about. Well, you should have led with it. I was building up to it. <laughs> the wind. You've spoken a lot about the wind, but in that mm. back corner, eleven and twelve, when the ghosts of Georgia are howling through the trees. Yep. What is it about the wind, and what can we? expect to see or be surprised or not surprised. I think the honest thing you can be surprised by is how silly it makes people look. And we've all seen it for the decades of watching this tournament is that you you see a player hit a shot in the middle of (laughs) of the water or, or, you know, good 10 or 15 yards short of where they'd want and you're like, how can a world-class player do that? You know, did he fat it? Did he this and that? The wind just can, can swirl on you and can can grab a ball and, and move it like I really haven't seen it many other places. And, and I think it's got a lot to do with the height of the Georgian Pines and, and the fact it can bounce around. But I remember a practice round I had there with Dads. We had a 9-on into to 12 and the first one, he, he hit it, flushed it, and it got right over basically Ray's Creek and just got thumped by wind. We could see it and it just fell straight out of the sky and went into the water. And it was my first time caddying there. It was a practice round and I'm like, Jesus, I said, so do you want, do you want eight on or seven? He's like, because I, I, I guess it should get there. Just let me hit another shot. And hit another nine on, same thing, and finished middle of the green. And we walked off the tee, just the two of us. I was walked off the tee and, and we're just like, what the hell? Like, you know, it was literally a 15 to 18 yard gap between where those irons landed. And he hit both solid. So that's just guesswork and a whole lot of luck. Well, look, it's guesswork to an extent. You've got um, a lot of times to time you run. You can see players looking at different flags around the course when they're playing shots, and that's the beauty of Augusta and will be this year with no crowds. You can see right through the course, which is one of the things that really surprised me, actually, first time, Phil, that, that, that I guess you might want to know about as a, as a little, uh, what do you call it, an inn, or what do you call it before? Something uh, <laughs> but, but you stand at the top of Augusta and look down the course, and you can see the entire course, right, right. Bar, a few, bar a few holes. And I just didn't know that was the case, right? But you can see right down the bottom to 16 and all the rest of it. There's only the pockets of the course you can't see. So, yeah, I think it's more, um, Dames, that the fact that you, you guess a little bit, but it's it can just get you at any time. You can be as methodical as you want, but you still can get unlucky. Still that element of luck. Now, yeah. if it's okay with Phil, we'll move on to questions from the gallery. Uh, you got the nod. Fantastic. If you've got any questions for us to answer, send it in to swagger at golfbarons.com. Now, I know, Phil, this is your section, but I'm going to lead with one that came through to me. Um, it's from Mike C. Does Augusta National need revetted bunkers? <laughs> Smiley face. <laughs> I want this to be stated for the record, and not that this was necessarily directed at me, but I am completely off revetted bunkers. I have seen the error of my ways. I have been schooled continually, in fact, by young Michael C., and I I now clearly see that revetted is a lovely cosmetic look 
for a, a short period of time, but there are so many design things that, that can be improved by letting things be a little bit more rustic and penal. And so I've, I'm a changed man. You are easily changed, though, on opinions. You don't exactly hold them overly strong. I'm identifying so. as someone who no longer likes revetted bunkers, don't you? <laughs> it's a good identification. Now, now, over to you. I know now for some real ones, what have you got? <laughs> no, I've got, I've got two others. When are we getting John from Chicago back on? Now, that, that was not from John from Chicago, but believe it or not, I actually got asked at swagger at golfbarons.com. I believe it. That was um, good I enjoyed good the podcast with John from yeah. Chicago. When are we getting him back on? I, I then got a subsequent question asked. Uh, when are we getting Mike Cocking back on? <laughs> so I think, this I think is we just had an input. So, there, uh, we, so what they're saying is we just need more professionalism. <laughs> So uh, I think what they're saying is, so, so when can we stop listening to you, Muppets, and have people who know what they're talking about? Just chasing in, can, intelligence. When can your podcast change? Uh, um, now, now, there is a notable absentee today, and it is because of legal advice, because my next question from the gallery was, regarding muscle gain that was referred to in our last podcast, oh dear. what was Dev really saying? So unfortunately, Dev had to sit out this week because no one really wants to know what exactly it was that he was saying when he was talking about muscle gain and what is reasonable and what is not. So it's best that we do leave that alone. Yeah, no, that's my that's my last question that, from the. That's, that's all you've got. That's all you got. Not not the strongest of sections. All right, let's let's. Um, let's say, I don't this. think there was. A, I don't think there was a question in there. I don't think there was. Let's finish this with a bang, boys. It's time for a tales from the toolkeeper. And I know you've you've mentioned to me a few times that there's there's a whole lot more happening at Augusta behind the scenes than than you could even imagine. Yeah, I think yeah the the the, um, the allure of that place is what they kind of hide or they don't get don't give it all to you. And we've talked about that already with the the way the course is sort of not shown to everyone and blah blah blah. But when you get there, there's there's also I guess uh, an air of how not sophisticated, but how sharp they are at everything. Like you expect the place to be kind of dated, uh, and it's just so not. They've got the highest technology everywhere you can imagine, right? Like back in, in 1999, right? So we're talking 20 something years ago. They one years ago. They they, they they had um, aircraft. You know the aircraft, or not aircraft, but the uh, terminals. You know the metal detectors where you walk through. That all those every single patron that goes through there, they had like it was amazing just to get into the place. How, like the levels of security back then. This is pre. You got to remember that's that's pre nine eleven, pre everything. It was it was just oh, well, s- before you do that, go on there, D's. Don't forget that um, former President Ronald Reagan was playing golf there when there was a hostage <laughs> siege in there. <laughs> Back in, back in 1983, so it's not it's not like nothing. It's never had anything. A little bit questioning of uh, of um, metal detectors. I, I didn't actually know that, but uh, you told me that uh, before. I was maybe I'll go into that next week. But sorry, mate. Anyway, but the, the point the point is it's um it's got it's got certain things around that you just don't expect. And I, I remember we weren't playing with Phil, but uh, we I was speaking to Bones, his caddy, afterwards, and he goes, "God, you never guess what happened to us today." And I said, "Well, what happened?" He goes, "Well." Got on the um, seventh tee box, and he goes, of course, Phil being a lefty, he wants to hit iron up there, and we pegged it up on the right-hand side of the tee, but the water canister, the one that Augusta supplies, was too close. So he goes, I just moved it back a metre, and, and you know, Bob's your uncle, and Phil hit his shot, and off we went. So he goes, we had a group of green coats come out, uh, and we call them green coats. They're the officials of Augusta. Green coats come out, and you could see them all hovering around the tee right, as we we're walking off. And, and he goes, they come from nowhere. Like he goes, I don't know where they were, but he goes, there's, come, there's like six or seven or more than one, one thing hovering around the tee as we walked off. And he said, anyway, after the round, we, we finish, we walk up 18, and we're just walking off. And as I walk off through the crowd, I've got two green coats either side of me. He goes, yet again, don't know where they come from. And he goes, they just sort of ushered me over to the side. And he goes over towards Butler Cabin where there was no one. And he goes, oh, they said, can we have a, have a word with you? And and Bone said he was just petrified. He goes, what did I do wrong? What, what have I said? What have I done? And the one guy goes, oh, look, on the half of Augusta National, I'd like to officially apologise for having a, an, an impediment. I think it was they called it. An impediment in your way. Impediment, my yeah, That's right, he's impeded. And, yeah, there we go again. God, I need you. I need you to follow me around, actually. Anyway. An interpreter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be brilliant. Just push a button and hear what the real word would be. Be great. Yeah. Anyway, so so he 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 said, "Look, I'm sorry about that." He said, well, "We um we rectified the problem. We've moved the the drink canister. We we understand that it was an oversight by the club, the the Augusta Club. It'll never happen again. We just want to pass on our thoughts to Phil and tell him." And just went on and on and on. Anyway, and then walked away. <laughs> and Bones is sitting there going, 
Like he's just shaking his head going, he thought he was in trouble and this was his biggest heartfelt apology about agreeing. <laughs> and anyway, so as they're walking away, he's like, how did you find me when I was walking? Because he was walking like, like uh, up there and onto the side and they're like, oh, we've been following you the whole time on cameras. They're all in the trees everywhere. He goes, but we just wanted to wait till you finished your round, as practice rounds, we wanted you to wait till you finished your round and we wanted to then come and talk to you. And he's like, yeah, right. So from that point onwards, we knew that anywhere we went on that course, they could see, even if you were out in the practice room with no one there, they knew exactly what you were doing at all times. And as I said, 20 odd years ago, this is before the old cell phone. Sort of. Bit like living in China. Yeah. And on that note, we'll bring this Tenuous Links Golf Podcast to a close. Thanks to those of you who've been supporting us by watching Golf Barons On Demand on KO. Season 2 is in full swing and we'll be back on KO in the new year. And special thanks to our US and UK listeners who've been getting our first season on Amazon Prime Video in their respective regions. Good luck backing a winner at Augusta this week. And until next time, Barons, from all the Barons, add some swagger to your swing.